The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin has announced he will not support the president's social spending plan. The White House has spent months trying to convince the Democrat to support the measure. With no Republican support, Democrats needed every vote to pass the Build Back Better plan. But on Sunday, Manchin said it's time to move on. Uh, I've always said this, Brett. If I can't go home and explain it to the people of West Virginia, I can't vote for it. And I cannot vote to continue with this piece of legislation. I just can't. I've tried everything humanly possible. I can't get there. You're done. This is, this is a no. This is a no. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, that was uh, Senator Joe Manchin. I know you know the name. He's the Democrat from West Virginia. And I, Maggie and I were just talking about this right before the broadcast. We were saying... You know, don't you love somebody who'll come out and understand what their role is? Uh, they're not there to govern by their own edict. They're there to represent the people. And he says, if I can't explain, you know, this bill and what's in it and why I, I voted the way I did, I, I can't do it. You know, he's he's accountable to the to his constituency, to the citizens of the state of West Virginia. And he tried he tried uh, very hard uh, to find some common ground, but there is a real blindness. There is a real obstinance when it comes sometimes to to uh, coming to a rational solution on all this. I mean, the agenda is so big. Um, the motives run, I think, sometimes so deep. Um, this sent shockwaves through the political world uh, right on the eve of Christmas. I remember Chuck Schumer and so many others vowing that Joe Biden, et cetera, will be vowing to get it done by Christmas. Not going to happen. Senator Joe Manchin just threw a giant monkey wrench into the political works at the Capitol. And he told Fox News that he just can't support Build Back Better. And uh, he he put a dagger in the heart of the bill. I, I, I saw one headline that said, he knifed the safety net. I thought, what a great description. You know, <laughs> he knifed the safety net. Um at least for this year. We'll see what happens. I know they're going to work hard behind the scenes to try to get him on board. But a lot of problems with that bill as we talked about. And what it will do to our country already now fighting inflation, biggest inflation in 40 years. Wall Street Journal reported that, uh, you know, the Democrats right now are trying to salvage the bill and craft it in, in a way that, you know, will please Manchin and they can pass parts of it by, you know, maybe in piecemeal. Um but Manchin's very concerned about the inflationary pressures that spending would have. And, and look, say a prayer for him. Say a prayer for our leaders. I pray every day without exception for our nation's leaders. That's the one thing I can do. It's the one thing you can do that really make a difference. We have to be, have well-formed consciousness and put into office, you know, people who will who will represent us and represent what is moral and right and what is good for the common good. Um you know, not, not some of these radical policies that'll be destructive on so many different levels. But just, just let's let's pray that God in His mercy will hold back His hand of justice and wrath on our country, which I think we we certainly deserve some of the ways we've rejected and offended Him. But also, just for for those who really are going to suffer with these with this inf- with the inflation that is now looming. You know, families will suffer when gas prices are through the roof. Families will suffer when. You, you you know groceries are costing you you know many many dollars more when in, when interest rates are going to climb housing will become unaffordable so will other loans just becomes more difficult on everybody um, Manchin told Fox News that you know Congress should be working on lowering inflation because this is how it's it's hitting the ordinary people 
and, and, and spending packages aren't how that's going to happen. And it's just look, it's just common sense to me. This is just common sense. I don't know where you are on the deal. I I, I want to get our fiscal house in order, right? You spend, you print more money, you spend more money. You know what? Um, you, you're going to have inflation. You're gonna you're gonna too many dollars t- chasing too few goods. That's inflation, and that's. Uh, that's what we're seeing here. The Senate did manage to get something done, uh, something that is actually, I, I thought, was pretty good. Uh, you might remember hearing last week, and we had Congressman Chris Smith on the air, uh, that the House, uh, you know, hadn't unanimously passed that. Uh, they, they passed on a voice vote a bill that puts severe restrictions on the imports of uh, the uh, Xinjiang province of China. That's where the Uyghurs are incarcerated right now in those concentration camps. That's where they are uh, being housed. Uh, the bill was passed in the Senate over the weekend. It now goes to the president, uh, who said that he will sign it. So all of this done in overwhelming numbers. Um, that province, that accounts for the manufacturing of about 50% of the world supply of something called polysilicone. Right, which is uh, it's used to make solar panels. It's also a huge, major cotton region, which means a lot of the clothing and uh, fabrics made from from cotton, uh, made in China, they originate there, and that cotton is produced, unfortunately, through slave labor. Uh, real modern day tragedy. But companies like uh, Nike and Apple, Coca Cola, they have lobbied against this bill. You know, and I love those products. Uh, you know, I do. I. I I love Nike, I love Apple, I love Coca-Cola. I don't like what they stand for. And to see them say, "Eh, my bottom line, the dollar, the profit is more important than the dignity of a human person and their right to liberty and practice of their religion. Um, They lobbied against this bill because it's going to impact their bottom line. So, you know, you might either write to them or, or, you know, boycott in some respects with your dollars. I'm a big fan of boycotting, but... You know what? If I have a choice, and there's two products. Maybe I won't buy, you know, that Nike product or, or that Coca-Cola or whatever it may be. Um, it's nice to to know, um, you know, our betters are such enlightened corporations that will, uh, you know, be willing to to fight against racism here in the U.S. But uh, they're also willing to use slave laborers to, oh, you know, in other countries. Uh, you know, and it's, it's just frustrating. I, mean, I won't go off on it. We've talked about this before. It's what it is. I, it, bottom line is it, it's slave labor. That's the bottom line. It, it just frustrates me. Uyghurs are slave labor, period. You know, these people are incarcerated. The, the, and, and the stories, Congressman Smith, who was on last week, was sharing with me a little bit about it uh, offline. He says, you know, I've heard testimony from women who have, um, you know, been released or escaped from some of those prisons. And the horrors that go on within them, the sterilization, the forced rape, the whole litany of things, I won't go into it here. It's tragic. And to see our companies, again, um, who want to fight racism here, and that's a good thing. We, you know, racism's an intrinsic evil, um, but can turn a blind eye to the abuse and the racism uh, that's happening in China so their bottom line can, can build up. I just think that is absolutely uh, tragic. Uh, coming up in a moment, Bishop Paprocki is going to be stopping by. There's something happening here in our own country. I really want to get you up to speed on. It deals with the Satanic Temple and what they are calling him out on. He'll be stopping by. Let me share one quick story here, though, before we we jump over to that. And, of course, you can join me anytime you want here. Feel free to dial in at 888 
914-9149. Omicron, right? Uh, That variant of of COVID right now is is taking hold in the U.S. Be be careful. It's, uh, as we were talking about last week, incredibly communicable, 70 times more contagious, they were saying. Uh, It's not as lethal as Delta, but still, it depends on your health and situation. And um, as a result of it, you know, markets right now are, are getting scared. And uh, the Dow was down right before I started the broadcast. I took a peek at it, down about 600 points. The NASDAQ is about ready to enter into correction territory, and that's all according to MarketWatch. But um, it's not just Omicron that has investors spooked. I mean, there's usually a rally in the markets around Christmas. You know, They call it the Christmas rally. Forecasters are saying that's not going to happen this year. Too many big problems. You got COVID, inflation, which we just talked about, the national debt, uh, the threat of war, rumors of war, uh, they're weighing in on investors' mind. Yeah, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, he spoke with Meet the Press yesterday about the Omicron variant and what it means not just to the economy and all those things I mentioned, but to your holiday travel. Here's what he had to say. Well, the one thing that's very clear, and there's no doubt about this, is his extraordinary capability of spreading, its transmissibility capability. It is just, you know, raging through, through the world, really. And if you look even here in the United States, you have some regions that start off with a few percent of the isolates that are positive now going up to 30, 40, in some places, 50 percent. So, yes, there is this uh, issue of whether or not it is or more or less severe. The information we're getting from our South African colleagues still suggests that when you look at it totally, the hospitalization to case ratio is less than with Delta. That was uh, Anthony Fauci there. Uh, Again, as the holidays come about, I know we're all going to be together with families. And if you're not feeling well, then do your part to uh, to make sure you're safe and those that you love are safe. And um, we'll see what it means for, for travel. We'll see what it means on a whole number of other fronts. But we'll also see what it says in the market. Um, and speaking of Christmas, um, yeah, it's a special time of year, of course, for all of us that are followers of Jesus Christ. Um, and I almost didn't want to share this story with you. I, I saw a story last week. I thought it was Christmas. I didn't want to give this group attention. But I know uh, His Excellency Bishop Paprocki. And I thought, well, you know what? I want to give a little bit of air. There's um, uh, I get, Well, before I go to him, I'm just sure. I, there, was a, there, was a, um, there was an old medieval Christmas poem called This Little Babe. And the first stanza go, goes like this. I was just reading it the other day. It says, this little babe, so a few days old, is come to rifle Satan's fold. And health does at his presence quake though he himself from cold do shake. For in this week, unarmored wise, the gates of hell he will surprise. I love that. Why did I share that with you? Because Christ did surprise the gates of hell. He submitted to his Father's will. He endured the cross and the grave. He rose. He conquered death. He threw open the gates of heaven. He conquered our infernal enemy and foe. Right? It's all playing out before our eyes. Well, today it also played out in the rotunda of Illinois' state capitol, the Satanic Temple. They unveiled a sculpture that it made part of various religious displays. Now, the sculpture depicts 
Baphomet, and we've talked about this before. I mean, he's is that goat-headed satanic figure. But but guess how they're presenting him, right? Now, we've seen this big, you know, very you know strong-looking statue of this demonic figure, the satanic figure in the past. What they revealed this time was was Baphomet as a newborn, and it's in swaddling. It's all swaddled up, swaddling clothes. Uh, this is an utter mockery of our real Savior. That's what this is, an utter mockery. But that's what Satan loves to do, doesn't he? He loves to, to mimic. He loves to, he's an ape, right? He does not create. And here he is mocking the birth of Christ. The Satanic Temple also tried to mock Bishop Thomas Paprocki of Springfield. And they said this to him. They said, this year's display celebrates unity. In keeping with that spirit, we've invited Bishop Aprocki to hold hands with members of the Satanic Temple while we come together and we stand before all of the religious displays at the Rotunda. I'm sure people of all faiths in the Springfield community would be very disappointed in Bishop Aprocki if he turns down this opportunity and opts to divide people, especially during the holidays. Don't you love that? I mean, how how farcical can you get? I mean, that's that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I've invited Bishop Aprocki to join us today, and he is uh, he's with us this afternoon. Uh, Your Excellency, thank you for joining me. Always a delight to talk with you, and, and happy Advent to you. You're, uh, you're welcome, uh, and it's uh, great to be with you also during this uh, last week of Advent as we prepare for Christmas. So, you know, was, uh, I saw that story, and I, I said to one of my producers, hey, reach out to Bishop Aprocki. Let's maybe talk about that, and we'll just get some perspective on it. There's some other things I want to talk to you about today, too. But um, he says, when he notified, you weren't even aware of it. So they make this invitation, but you weren't even aware of that, were you? Um, how did you find out about this, and, and what do you make of what's going on? Well, the invitation uh, just uh, came. They actually did send uh, an invitation to my office. Uh, I got it today. Uh, and this uh, event was taking place today, but they've they've done this in the past, where they've had this satanic display in the rotunda of the Capitol, alongside the um, uh, nativity crash uh, that we we have there. And we've we've been doing the nativity crash for a number of years now, thanks to the uh, St. Thomas More uh, Legal Society in Chicago, uh, Tom Brecka and and his legal staff there. Uh, we we won the the right under First Amendment the First Amendment to put up a a privately funded religious display in in the Capitol where you know you can you can have this free expression, and so we had a blessing there on November 30th. And in the course of my uh, my comments uh, in in uh, relation to the blessing, I just I mentioned that, uh, and and I would reiterate again, there's really no place in the rotunda of our state capitol for a satanic display. And I know that uh, some people will point to the First Amendment of the United States Constitution, and they'll say, "Well, you've got you've got freedom of religion to your exercise your religious rights to put this nativity set up there. Uh, shouldn't you respect all religion, including a satanic religion?" And my answer to that is that uh, Satan worship is not a religion. The word religion comes from the Latin word religio, which means to bind together. So true religion binds people to God and to each other. On the other hand, the devil seeks to divide and not to unite. The only thing that the devil and Satan worship binds its adherence to is is the evil one. So they sent this in, uh, this invitation. They say, "Oh, you misunderstand. You know, we're we're not uh, trying to divide anyone. We are 
uh, we're trying to, to unite people and we're in favor of peace and harmony and all this. And I, I would, uh, I'm not even going to respond to that because you don't respond to the, to, to evil uh, like that. And that basically, uh, I'd go back to what our Lord said uh, in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 44. He said that uh, Satan is a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks in character because he is a liar and the father of lies. So when they when they tell me that uh, Satan yeah. worship stands for peace and harmony, that's just a lie. You take a look at the Satanic Temple, they have a, a number of court cases going on saying that abortion is part of their religion. And so they invited women to join them and, and use the freedom of religion to be able to do abortions in states that restrict it. Um, look, this is dark. It is clearly, as you point out, um, a great deception. Satan is a, a liar. Um, the culture of death, uh, abortion its high holy sacrament. What, what do you make of what's happening now with the satanic temple you know, going to court and making a case that abortion is one of their sacraments, is part of their religion, if you will. Um, how do you think that's going to be supported in the courts? Dismissed like you dismissed well, the freedom of religion idea, or do you think that has more more traction? Uh, no, I don't see how how you can you can claim that uh, uh, abortion is an act of of worship. You know, I, I think that's part of the problem in our secular society here is that we're trying. Uh, everybody wants to be even-handed and, and fair when the reality is that uh, you, you, you can't be even-handed and fair when it comes to dealing with evil. And, and, and trying to uh, accommodate religious beliefs and putting Satan worship on a par with religious belief, I think, is just opening the door for a lot of evil in our society. I mean, we say, so even if you took, aside from the question of freedom of religion, what about free expression? Right. Why can't these people just express what they want? Well, you know, the freedom of speech is not unlimited either. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Um, and and even pornography, obscenity uh, uh, can be and should be regulated by the state. Unfortunately, that also has gotten to the point where there's no no enforcement of any obscenity laws because, uh, you know, this, the, the sense is, well, we, you know, we can't outlaw speech. But I think that's really denying the the founders intent in our country our country was based on a, a, a foundation that people had uh, solid morals and solid religious uh, convictions and by opening the door here to to all kinds of evil satanic worship and and uh, holding up abortion as something to be uh, to be celebrated and pornography and obscenity as good things I, th I think this is just very destructive for our society I couldn't agree to more uh, hey governor Pritz, uh, Pritzker he signed a bill into law that revokes the state's parental notification law. I know you're not happy about that. I saw an article a little bit earlier today on that. I know you're not happy for a number of reasons, but uh, maybe you could address that you know, outside of the satanic temple issue here. I mean, what what, what are your concerns there and, and what are your disappointments? Well, I think these tie together because the satanic display in the rotunda of our state capitol is a, is a symbol of evil, but I... I think that actually there is a lot of evil that's being perpetrated uh, in our state house here in Springfield. So uh, yeah. we've got within uh, the last uh, four years, we've gone from taxpayer funding of abortion in 2017 and 2019. They passed a bill that uh, said that abortion is a fundamental right so that if, if Roe versus Wade gets overturned uh, nationally, abortion would still be legal in Illinois. And uh, just the last week, we had the uh, uh, governor signing this bill that 
repeals uh, parental notification of a minor seeking abortion. So parents can't even be told that their minor daughter is, is seeking uh, an abortion. And, and so the, the governor did this uh, late on Friday afternoon, I think expecting that, you know, this would be a quiet news time and kind of sneak this in. But actually his timing uh, uh, fit right in with, with my homily on Sunday at our cathedral. I talked about this because our homily, you know, the gospel on Sunday was uh, the visitation and it was Mary who's pregnant visiting Elizabeth who's pregnant. And Elizabeth, you know, talks about the child in her womb leaping for joy. And uh, you know, so 2,000 years ago, you had these two women acknowledging that uh, this was not some just some piece of tissue in their womb. They had they had they were carrying babies, and, and the baby uh, you know was was aware of what was going on. John the Baptist, you know, uh, the baby in the womb was aware that this was the Savior in, in Mary's womb. And so, uh, you know, here we are 2,000 years later when supposedly we're very scientific and sophisticated, and you get someone like uh, United States Supreme Court Justice uh, uh, Sonia Sotomayor recently saying that uh, comparing uh, an unborn child to someone that's brain dead or a corpse, I mean, it is just astounding and really disturbing that you have a Supreme Court Justice saying things like that. Yeah, how true. Well, Your Excellency, I'm I'm grateful for your... Well, your constant leadership and uh, your eloquence and your willingness to stay and take a stand and, re- and really lead. Um, my prayers will be with you. We're going to pray the chaplet in about a half an hour, so I'll remember you. My personal prayers coming up. Final thoughts here as, as we wrap it up. We are in the holiday, you know, Advent, Christmas season here. Um, anything you'd like to impart with everyone before we leave? Well, I just uh, remind people that Jesus was born into a sinful world, and so you know the fact that we are encountering evil and sinfulness in our midst should not uh, discourage us, but the birth of our Savior should should give us hope uh, that the light will come and, and judge uh, the deeds of men. And so we pray for a conversion of heart and renewal of mind, uh, among especially among those uh, in authority who have uh, the, the power to deal with these kinds of things. And so, uh, you know, we that's. Uh, Let's be uh, strong in our, our battle against evil, but let's also be positive and, and joyful in our celebration of our Lord's birth. Amen to that. Well, have a Merry Christmas if we don't talk, Your Excellency. Thank you again for, for making time for us. You're welcome. Blessings on you and your listeners as well. Thank you. That's Bishop Thomas Paprocki, the great bishop there of Springfield, Illinois. Say a prayer for him. Say a prayer for his brother bishops. And stay with me. I've got to take just a short pause, but I will be right back. Uh, There's been some news regarding vaccine mandates in the courts. I'll tell you what's happening there. And we got a great Paul Harvey moment coming up for you, too. You're going to love this. We'll be right back. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, Visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester. This is the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of It is the best time of the year. I love it. You know, lots of, you know, twinkling lights and... Great music and good food. It's good to be here with you today. I hope you're getting ready for your for your holiday. And, uh, of course, I hope you're going to stay safe and, and healthy and 
Let's pray for that. Coming up at the top of the hour, we can take a look at that. Uh, you know, I want to bring you up to speed, speaking of health, just on some of these mandates that are out there. I was, I, you know, you see some of these reports and I see correctional wor- workers who are leaving. I'm seeing doctors that are retiring. I'm seeing a lot of people who are either stepping down from their jobs or being forced to either take the vaccine or lose their job. When the Biden administration imposed mandates on a number of parts of our country, you know, we saw what you knew you'd would follow lawsuits, right? And they're filed in federal courts. And because of particular aspects of the law, those suits, they had to be filed in the appeals court. And first, some of the courts ruled in favor of the plaintiffs, and then they all got consolidated into the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. And then late Friday, that court actually overruled the Fifth Circuit's earlier ruling that stopped the mandate for all businesses with more than 100 employees. So, uh, the Alliance Defending Freedom is representing a bunch of these clients uh, on this issue, and they've appealed to the Supreme Court, and they've asked for an immediate stay on the Sixth Court's ruling and for an immediate appeal. Uh, so where will this shake out? What will we see? How will the Supreme Court react? Um, I've invited Ryan Banger to, to join us. He serves as senior counsel and vice president for legal strategy at the Alliance Defending Freedom, and he's here for some analysis and perspective. And Ryan, thank you for your time. Good afternoon. Drew, good afternoon, and a blessed and early Merry Christmas to you as well. Same to you, Ryan. Thank you very much. Um, boy, a lot going on this Christmas, right? From from Omicron spreading to uh, uh, mandates, people you're really having to make some tough decisions. Um, how many people does this particular mandate impact impact right now? And, and what was the Sixth Court, Sixth Circuit Court's reasoning for overturning the uh, the fifths? Well, Drew, it's been an incredible flurry of activity just in the last couple of days. But the mandated issue here in the Sixth Circuit is what we were calling the private employer mandate. It was issued by the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, typically called OSHA. And it covers about 80 million private employers all across the United States. And this was a directive given by OSHA to private employers telling them that their employees, by Uh, early January, either have to be fully vaccinated or undergoing weekly tests and masking uh, under threat of fairly substantial fines, right around $14,000 per violation. So that's the backdrop, and that's the the mandate that we're talking about. Uh, As you noted earlier in your your intro, uh, we we brought a challenge to that mandate in the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. We also brought challenges down in the Eighth Circuit, which is in St. Louis, and the Eleventh Circuit in Georgia. Other challengers brought uh, similar types of lawsuits all across the country. The Fifth Circuit was one of those. And the Fifth Circuit, very quickly out of the gate, entered an order called a stay. And that stay put the mandate on hold, basically told OSHA, you can't enforce this until the courts sort through all the, the questions that are raised. Now, that stay is what the Sixth Circuit just last week decided to dissolve, to do away with. And it was a three-judge panel. Two of the judges ruled in favor of dissolving the stay. A third judge, Judge Larson, uh, dissented and argued very vigorously that the stay should have remained in place. And against that backdrop, there were also eight judges, including Judge Larson, who on a separate motion uh, wrote a – and this is a a decision by Judge Sutton, who's the chief judge of the Sixth Circuit – wrote a very lengthy and passionate uh, defense of federalism, constitutional law, and statutory interpretation saying that the mandate is invalid. So 
uh, even though we do have two judges in the Sixth Circuit who said the stay should be dissolved, uh, this is this is a hotly contested issue, and the judges really are not seeing uh, eye to eye on this at all. Yeah. I, I always wondered, I'm not an attorney, but how does OSHA, do they have the constitutional authority to tell businesses and the, their employees that they've got to be vaccinated, something that's as personal as, as medical decisions? I mean, where, where does OSHA claim to have the authority? We don't think so. Uh, and there are several different ways to look at that issue, Drew. Uh, one is, does the Constitution give Congress the authority to empower OSHA to create a vaccine mandate in the first place? Right. And, and we say no. But even beyond that, even if Congress had that power, did they give OSHA that power? If you look right. at the statute, the OSHA Act, it's really unclear and, and, and quite frankly, I would say crystal clear on the opposite side of that question that no, Congress did not give OSHA power to enforce a nationwide with effectively a full vaccination mandate on all private employers through its power to regulate workplace health and safety. And all of those questions are now being put before the U.S. Supreme Court uh, through our application that was filed on Friday, as well as additional applications that are still coming in over the weekend. Yeah. So I guess my next question would be, hey, if, if the Supreme Court says, eh, we're not going to take this up right away and issue the stay, um, what's that mean for all these people who now have to make those decisions as to whether or not to keep their job or, or, or not, to get you know vaccinated or not? Well, that, that would put them in a very difficult spot. Now, after the Sixth Circuit ruling came down last week, OSHA went ahead and extended its compliance deadlines into early February for the testing requirements. So they did provide a little bit of wiggle room, but still it's coming, and it's coming very, very soon. And I think the Supreme Court recognizes the urgency of the situation. Just today, uh, Justice Kavanaugh, who was the, the circuit judge of the Sixth Circuit, had an order requiring the federal government to file a response to all of the petitions no later than December 30th. So that's a very quick uh, a call for a response, and I think it shows us that the Supreme Court is treating this very, very seriously. You're not kidding. So um, bottom line is, how long do you think it's going to take the court to respond? Any time frame? I think the court's going to have this uh, figured out by January. Uh, I really oh, do, really? because if you look at the way the court has operated recently in, in response to some other emergency applications, uh, the Texas Senate Bill 8, uh, as well as a couple of other instances where the court has acted quickly. I, I don't. I would not be surprised to see the court uh, address this issue in January. In fact, I'd be very surprised if they don't. Well, that sounds good. Well, keep up your good work. We're grateful. If people want to learn more or follow what's happening, uh, is it ADF Legal? What's the best website to get connected to? ADFlegal.org, Drew. That's correct. That sounds right. Hey, Ryan, thank That's you. I hope you have reach. a very Merry Christmas, and thank you for what you're doing to defend uh, freedom and uh, all the great work you guys have done over the year. It's our pleasure and our honor, and thanks for having us on. That's uh, Ryan Bankert there. He's senior counsel and the vice president for legal strategy at the Alliance Defending Freedom. You can check them out, adflegal.com. All right, I need to take a short pause here. When we come back, uh, my producer Maggie sent me off a, um, an interesting link this morning, something that um, her mother had shared with her. It comes from... Paul Harvey, I think you may remember him, you know, great broadcaster on the air for years. I think he was broadcasting into his 90s. Uh, you'll love that. Stay with me, okay? We'll share something that'll bring you, I think, a little Christmas joy.
Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester. This is the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. Well, it's good to be with you today. I'm hoping you're having a blessed Advent. You're in the season. You believe this year is almost gone. We're going to be celebrating Christmas in just a couple days, and the new year will be upon us. Maybe you're looking forward to it. I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing my... My kids and being together with family. I, I really have to just say this to you. I do really want to thank you for allowing me to be part of your afternoon. I just, uh, it's one of the highlights of my day. It is to be able to open this microphone and just to, to pour out my heart and give you my analysis and just for us to be able to dialogue and exchange, to talk together about those issues that matter most, you know, those issues that run and affect the country, that advance the common good. Uh, those issues that deepen our faith, you know, those those calls to prayer. I think it's uh, it's it's. Uh, I feel privileged. I really do to be able to sit in this chair and to do that on a regular basis. And you get me through the year. There's times where I'm down. I need a little extra prayer, and I come to you. And I'm glad to be able to pray for you. And we'll be doing that coming up in a few moments. Uh, I don't know if you have special Christmas stories or special. Christmas memories. Uh, Christmas has always been one of my favorite times. And a little bit later in the week, I'll share with you a great Christmas miracle that happened to my family. And we'll talk about Christmas and a whole lot of other things. Maggie, uh, who is my uh, producer on the show here, she um, she was new this year. You, may, you might remember Jake Moore, who had been with me for several years. Um, Maggie came and filled his shoes. And, you know, Maggie and I are getting to learn each other, learn about each other and, and uh, you know, a little in, in, I guess in a deeper way. I mean, the more you work with somebody, the more you learn about them. And Maggie was sharing with me one of, I guess, the traditions her mother uh, would always share with them around this time of year. And she would share uh, just a great piece by by Paul Harvey. And if you're not just familiar with who Paul Harvey was, he was an American radio broadcaster for ABC News Radio. Uh, he broadcast uh, and, oh gosh, I don't even know how long he was on the air. I think he died in his 90s. I think he was still broadcasting when he did, um, he did those famous rest of the story segments. Um, I think from, from 1951, I think he started them all the way up to 2008. His program, they say reached about 24 million people per week. And he was just a great, great storyteller. Uh, Maggie, why don't you open your mic and, and join us? Um, I've played several things that Paul Harvey has said over the years on the broadcast that seem to be timeless. Uh, he was one of America's great storytellers. Um, he's got a, uh, uh, I guess, a Paul Harvey classic, if you will, The Man and the Birds. It's a great Christmas story. Why don't you share with everyone a little bit of your background, how you came to know it, and, and uh, maybe set it up for everyone. Sure. Yeah. My uh, grandfather, my mom's father, um, apparently loved Paul Harvey, loved listening to him. Uh, and I guess it was tradition on his show that every Christmas Eve he would read this this same story year after year. And it wasn't until my mom <laughs> became like really familiar with YouTube that one Christmas <laughs> she was just like, gosh, you know, we used to listen to this story 
my dad would always put Paul Harvey on and we would listen to this every year and and I just loved it. So she searched for it one one year on YouTube. This was maybe like five years ago and she found it and now every year we listen to it when we're sitting at the Christmas table or like at some point when we're just gathered around the table and she'll play it. Um, and it's just, it's, it's one of those things that it is timeless. It's simple. It's, uh, it, it hits you right in the heart when you don't expect it to. Um, and it's, it's timeless. Yeah. So I, I, I wanted to know if we could share it on the yeah, air. I, I, was, I love it. Yeah. I, I don't know if I heard it before. I was saying that to you this morning. I don't know if I've ever heard the man and the bird. Mm-hmm. So this might be a first for me as well. Yeah. Well, I think you're going to like it. So um, sure. it's about four and a half minutes. Um, so just sit back and let yourself envision this as he, as he talks. He's got such a classic voice. Um, I hope you enjoy it. It's called The Man and the Birds. The man I'm talking about was not a Scrooge now. He was a kind, a decent, a mostly good man, generous to his family and upright in his dealings with other men, but he just did not believe in all of that incarnation stuff which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just did not make sense, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He could not swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. He told his wife, I'm truly sorry to distress you, but I'm just not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite, that he'd much rather just stay home, but that he would wait up for them. So he stayed, and they went to the midnight service. Now, shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier. Then he went back to his fireside chair, began to read his newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound, and then another, then yet another. At first he thought somebody must be throwing snowballs against the living room window. But when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled out there miserably in the snow. They had been caught in the storm in a desperate search for shelter. They had tried to fly through his large landscape window. That was what had been making the sound. Well, he couldn't let those poor creatures just lie there and freeze. So he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony. That would provide a warm shelter. All he would have to do is direct the birds into that shelter. Quickly, he put on a coat and galoshes, and he tramped through the deepening snow to the barn, and he opened the doors wide. And inside the barn, he turned on a light so the birds would know the way in. But the birds did not come in. So he figured that food would entice them. He went back into the house and fetched some breadcrumbs and sprinkled those on the snow, making a trail of breadcrumbs to the yellow-lighted, wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs. The birds just continued to flop around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He could not. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around them, waving his arms, but instead they scattered in every direction, every direction except into the warm-lighted barn. And that's when he realized that they were afraid of him. They were afraid of him. 
To him he reasoned, I'm a strange, terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them but to help them. But how? Any move he made tended to frighten them and confuse them. They just would not follow. They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. And he thought to himself, if only I could be a bird now, if I could be a bird and mingle with them and speak their language and tell them not to be afraid, then I could show them the way to the safe, warm barn. But I would have to be one of them, wouldn't I? So they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears. Above the sounds of the wind. And he stood there listening to the bells. Adeste Fidelis. Listening to the bells pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. Paul Harvey, I hope for you and those you love, this will be a wonderfully Merry Christmas. There you go. A classic. Maggie, thank you. I'd never heard that before. You're welcome. I'm getting teary-eyed, teary-eyed over here. That's awesome. <laughs> really, so your mother plays it every Christmas for you. Makes you all listen to that? Is that what happens? Yeah, yeah. I remember the first time she played it um, and kind of wondering a few minutes in, like, where is this going? <laughs> but then, you know, it, it. he has that realization, like, oh, I would have to become like a bird to be able to speak with them and, and have them understand and show them the way. And then he's like, oh, wow, that's who Christ is for us. Uh, and it's just, it's such a, it's such a great moment. It's one of the great mysteries of our faith, too, isn't it? The oh, incarnation. Yeah. I mean, what a, what a great way to put focus or meaning back into what this day or this, this, you know, what Christmas is, is all about. Amen. We have really, um, I think, unfortunately, made it such a materialistic holiday. Whoever thought that the Church of Satan, you know, would be swaddling up their own demonic uh, creature and, and, and mimicking, you know, the birth of Christ, as we've reported about in the Illinois Rotunda, uh, it, it's just tragic. I think Paul Harvey puts it into perspective, and I really, it's the mystery that we should all meditate and pray on. Well, thank you, Maggie. I look forward to what else you have for me. You're you know, welcome. some of the other little. Maggie secrets or <laughs> stories or I know your mom uh, I know it's one of her favorites one of my favorites with Paul Harvey you know I know he was on for for years um, you know he came out of the age of politics um, he, he had served I think in World War II and, and um, uh, he made his way I think to Chicago is where he was and that's when he started broadcasting for ABC and he, you know he didn't leave the airways for years um, and one of the things he did, and we'll have to play this on the air one day, uh, there, there's a piece called If I Were the Devil. 
How to Destroy America. And I think this was done back in 1968, somewhere in the 60s, late 60s. It was so prescient. It was so prophetic. And when you listen to what happened 50 years ago, right, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's unbelievable how accurate what he said would come to pass. And we're actually living in that segment, if I were the devil. So if you enjoyed Paul Harvey, I mean, Maggie, maybe you can put a link up for, for the, uh, uh, the piece we just ran, The Man and the Birds. Yeah, sure can. And maybe in the days ahead, I'll go ahead and I'll share that, uh, that other piece by Paul Harvey, which is just uh, amazing. Um, of course, uh, Harvey, I didn't realize this. Somebody had sent me a, a text while we were talking and says he actually coined the phrase Reaganomics. I didn't know that. I guess it's got to start somewhere. But that was Paul Harvey. Um, we are going to pray the chaplet in just a few moments here. And of course, you're more than welcome to join us. Let's pray for our country. I think one of the great uh, deceptions of the evil one are all these isms that face us, right? We've got this move towards um, atheism, the rejection of God. We've got this worship of false gods, materialism, right? And it's one of the great threats right now. I mean, what's Christmas? It's the antithesis of both of those, right? I mean, uh, Christmas is all about the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior, the fulfillment of the Scriptures, uh, about you and I becoming sons and daughters uh, of God. You know, I mean, ultimately, Christ would hang on a cross for us and throw open the gates of heaven. It's about redemption. Um, it's not about the presents we receive. It's not about the money. You know, it's not about the twinkling lights or even the music. It's all part of it. But the reality of this holiday, what it's all rooted in, is in the birth of Jesus Christ and what that would mean for you and for uh, for you and me and for for eternity, really, if you if you think about that. But you know, Satan he loves materialism, he loves atheism. We see this drive towards secular humanism, where Jesus, who is the truth, right? He is the truth. He is the the light, the way. Uh, and the truth, and what happens, Satan, when, when we buy into this dictatorship of relativism, there is no truth anymore, right? Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. Y you see the deceptions of these isms of our day. And really, how if you look at Christmas, it's the antithesis of all of that. You know, it's, it's, it's about humility. It's about detachment. It's about what our true focus is. Uh, should be on. So I just uh, am grateful for that piece, Maggie. Thank you. Uh, you know, we're going to pray. And when we come back, I just, um, I really want, I want to pray for you. If you're going through a tough time right now, hang in there. Okay. I know there's times where there seems to be problems, you know, waiting for you everywhere you turn. It seems like one problem leads to another problem. Sometimes uh, they come in storms, don't they? It's like, you know, you just can't seem to escape. And one storm is followed by another. And do you sometimes wonder if if you're ever going to see a brighter day? And maybe you're asking God right now, too, at this time of year, why me? Right? Why? Why do you allow me to struggle in my relationship? Why can't I have a good relationship with my spouse or my children? Lord, why did you give me this cancer? You know, why do I have this bad heart? Or why am I suffering these migraines? Or Lord, why am I having these health problems? Why am I struggling in my job? Maybe you're struggling in some other area of your life. You know, God allows you to go through the challenges of life because he knows it's the struggle of life that ultimately will, will build the strength in you. You know, if God simply delivered you from every single struggle every single time, I don't think we'd grow. We'd remain children, right? We wouldn't be able to learn to trust in him. These difficult moments, the, these times where we got to say, Lord, please help, you know, 
Those are times where we have to build our spiritual muscles. We have to build that trust in him. If you weren't faced with challenges, you wouldn't have these great opportunities to trust. And it's hard. I always, I always think of St. Faustina, the more soul trusts, the more it will receive. The Lord delights in a soul that will trust completely in him, that has confidence in him. So as you go through your own storm right now, as you're walking through that valley or you don't see light at the end of your tunnel, as you persevere in that difficult time you're in, I, I really encourage you to just say, Lord, I trust in you, to pray all the more and know that there is always light at the end of that tunnel, that God will always bring you through this and never give you a cross that's too heavy to bear. And you're going to begin to realize, I think, as you do that, as you let go of the stress, the anxiety, the worry, the fear, you're going to have a greater level of joy. Your, your life is going to be filled with peace. You know, there's going to be abundance that's coming your way because God loves you. He loves you too much to leave you right where you are. I want you to know that. God is on your side, and I believe he is preparing something even better for you. He's preparing something great for you. You know, all sunshine makes a desert, right? We need some rain. We need some storms. And know, as I often quote St. Faustina, that the greater the storm that you're in, the more beautiful the work is, the more terrible the will be the storm that rages against it. But in the end, you'll come out on the other side better because of it.